good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, on this Thursday, Levin Black. How you doing, Levin? I'm bored. It was such a boring week. <laughs> Nothing happened in 49ers news, right? Right? It was completely boring, especially like Monday was just, you know, it wasn't a manic Monday. It was just the most boring Monday of Mondays, right? Right? I, I don't think I heard Rob, like, literally having a conniption fit, complete <laughs> mental breakdown for half an hour live, right? That didn't happen, right? Oh, man. KP this... didn't come in and save you from the mental breakdown or anything? Like, I imagine that, right? <laughs> I might have died on that show if he didn't come in. This team is it's awesome. Like, for what we do, this team is incredible. It never stops. There's always something to talk about. Even, even yesterday, Wednesday, they made a transaction after the 53-man roster came out, and it's like, what the hell? I can't believe they just did that, which we're going to talk about on today's show. Yeah, but can I be honest? Like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm paid to sit here and talk, and Jimmy Garoppolo gives stuff to talk about all the time, but I, I want to tap out on that conversation. Like, I'm done. Like, I, I don't – I want him, you're the backup, be like a real backup where nobody ever thinks about you again all season. If it becomes a thing with him, like I'm done with this. I don't want to talk about him. It's literally like pulling teeth at this point when it comes <laughs> up. Like, okay, I have to talk about him because yeah, it's news and I have a podcast, but good God, I don't want to. I'm done. Yeah. Well, you're not going to like my theory on today's show. We're going to get to <laughs> all of that, but we always remind you, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everybody that has signed up to subscribe and that has left a review i always say if you take the time to leave it we will read it on the show niner man 41 agrees with you 11 he left this review on monday stats i love the passion but i feel like i need to talk you off the ledge there's a scenario where all this could work out for the 49ers it is this is an incredibly long review so i'm not going to read all of it on the air i did read all of it though and basically his argument is that jimmy's cheaper salary makes him more attractive in a trade and then he says, I do agree if they end up keeping Jimmy for the year and don't win the Super Bowl with Trey as the starter, Lynch and Shanahan need to be strung up by the hangman's noose. I think that's a little extreme. Love the passion stats. Just mix in a little bit of decaf. Well, thank you, Niner Man 41. I might need to do like I might need to start meditating or something, Levin, because it, it that vein in my forehead was about to burst this week. <laughs> I, I I didn't go that route when I heard the news. It was more like just a, like I said, I'm tapped out. So it was just kind of a, my shoulders slumped and I don't want to do this. No, please. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like somebody was torturing me and I'm just sitting there like, please let me off. Let me off this ride, please. I'm done. So now that it has settled a little bit, I have kind of put some pieces together and I've come up with my theory about what happened. And if you're all jimmied out, I understand it. Look, you can look in the show description for this pod and you can skip to the next time code. I, I lay everything out so you can see exactly when we're going to stop talking about Jimmy. If you want to skip this whole thing, I get it. But don't because, you know, I will talk for part of this. So it's worthwhile. Debatable. We'll find out. <laughs> I think that Jimmy Garoppolo and Don Yee have completely bamboozled the 49ers this offseason. I think they have outthought them at every turn. Okay. First, as I said in February, when it happened, and nobody wanted to believe me, Jimmy 
delayed having the necessary surgery to stop a trade from happening. And if you think I'm nuts, guess what? Matt Barrows just wrote that exact thing in The Athletic. The quote from Matt Barrows is, Garoppolo's focus has been getting to free agency. It's the reason he had his shoulder repaired in March, which essentially scuttled any chance the team had of trading the quarterback. Now, I will say that line has mysteriously been deleted from the article on The Athletic. Let me say something real quick on that. Barrows can't do that. Either he needs to come out and say, hey, I was wrong. I, I my opinion got put in there and stated as a fact instead of making it clear that was my opinion or the the he purposely deleted something because the team called him and said please take that out and if he did that fire him i'm done and the fact that he hasn't said i got it wrong to me points to 49ers right. pr it either needs a retraction or barrows is compromised and should not be reporting the team anymore i and do agree. by the way he's my favorite beat reporter mine so, too but to me if you cross that line and you delete something something like that that is actually newsworthy just because the team asked you to you don't belong in that role I was looking, I was checking the article because somebody actually tweeted that to me. I didn't notice it. And then I kept clicking the link and I was like, this is not in here. And then I was looking at sometimes, you know, an article will say like a previous version of this article had stated this, but here's why Mm -hmm. we took it out. There's none of that. So to me, Barrows is not going to fall on a sword and say, I screwed up because he doesn't think he screwed up, but he took it out because the team got pissed at him. Essentially. Can I, uh, let me say this. It is possible that a different person took it out without consulting Barrows. That's true. And that person should be fired if they did that. And that person, <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is Tim K is the editor. He would have taken, it's possible that he saw it, didn't like it, didn't think it was a fact and said, I'm deleting this as the editor, which has happened. Like that is a battle that goes on in newsrooms. Mm-hmm. I have had full on shouting matches with editors over them deleting something from my article, which changed what it said. And I didn't, It was no longer my, I didn't feel like it was my words. It wasn't how I put the story out there. You know what I mean? Uh, Well, if Tim did that, that if Tim did that and didn't tell Matt, then he's kind of hanging Matt out to dry. Like that doesn't make barrels look good. No, it doesn't. That's why I'm saying like whoever put it this way, whoever deleted it and didn't say why should no longer be employed because the, the fact that they haven't done a retraction. Well, if, you can't delete something and not do a retraction. Either one of those is inexcusable, not tolerated whatsoever, or at least not used to be not tolerated whatsoever in journalism. Either you do the retraction or you're upfront about why you deleted it. And if you're upfront about why you deleted it, you don't belong in journalism. I'm going to message Kawakami and see if he responds to me and ask him that question. I think it's a fair question. Hey, this was in the article. It's not in the article. Why not? Yeah. I'll Who see deleted if- it? Yeah, and if he uh, if he responds, I will let everybody know for sure. Um, but back to my original plan. So one, Jimmy G and Don Yee scuttled the trade on purpose. That is fact. And you stop me if I say something that's not a factor that you take issue with. Number two, they did that because they thought the 49ers were going to cut him because they didn't think the Niners would just sit on $18.5 million before free agency. That's why they were willing to scuttle the trade. Because they were like, well, we're not going to get all that money, but we'll be able to pick our team and we'll get close to the same money, give or take. The Niners didn't cut him. And then they were like, wait a minute. I think they really are going to keep me. I think I can win that job. 
That's why Jimmy Garoppolo didn't demand his release. He wants to be in San Francisco because he thinks he can take Trey's job or that he'll have the opportunity because Trey will get hurt to be the starting quarterback again. Think about it. He took a $20 million pay cut to stay in San Francisco. You're telling me Seattle didn't offer him, wasn't going to offer him $6.5 million? I find that really hard to believe. And Don Yee had permission to go talk about a deal and all that stuff. Jimmy was at camp. He saw Trey Lance out there. All we're hearing now is about how inconsistent Trey Lance was at camp, right? He saw Trey missing open receivers. I think that Jimmy is betting that either through injury or ineffectiveness, he's going to get another shot to be the starter. And then in his mind, he's going to play. He's going to have success. And then he's going to cash in next year because he can't be franchised under this new contract. So he's going to hit the free agent market. And at that point, he thinks, I'll cash in again, either from the 49ers again or from another team. Is any of that illogical, conspiracy theory, or just flat out wrong? There's a couple of things. I wouldn't say you're completely wrong. Uh, I disagree that he got the surgery to try to get cut. I threw it out there when it happened on the show that I think he did it to scuttle the a trade to Washington. At that time, Wentz had not gone to Washington. It was only after the surgery that the Wentz deal went down. To me, I think Washington was willing to take him on with his contract. They had the cap space, and they were convinced, because it's Washington, that they would be able to work out an extension. <laughs> the problem was, is Jimmy didn't want to go, because who wants to go to that franchise? And so he was going to use his no-trade clause, but at the start of the new league year, he lost that no-trade clause, and so the plan was San Francisco was going to trade him to Washington on the first day of the new league year, they were going to be, because they they did the restructures, to be able to carry him on the roster like they did. They made enough cap space to where they could keep him on roster. And so he saw that and said, I, I might need this surgery. I don't know for sure yet, but I'm going to get the surgery to make sure I'm not in Washington. So that's a theory. Both of us have theories. We just have a diff slightly different theory, but we both agree that he got the surgery to thwart something that was going to happen that he didn't want to have happen. Yeah, I don't think it was unnecessary surgery. I just think he waited to have the surgery. I, he always needed the surgery. I'm not saying he voluntarily signed up to get sliced right. open just to stop a trade. That was never my theory. I know people like to claim that it was, but it wasn't. But yeah, I think that the 49ers, once they realized that the Niners were serious about keeping him, I think he was like, well, then... I'm going to win this job. <laughs> like he was there. He's like, he was, he saw Trey Lance there. And right. the, I just think that it's that to me, when I look at everything that has happened, that's how I think this played out. That's the other part of this that I, I have a slightly different possibility. I don't disagree that he could very well think he's going to get the starting gig back. You know, I, I think that's very much a possibility, but I also think that, he knew through the trade market because he had the ability to look for a trade and his agent could talk to other teams back in March that there was no big free agent landing out there, that he wasn't going to get a good, true starting money gig if he hit free agency because too many teams are going to be worried about the shoulder and the fact that he couldn't throw all off season. And he believes that sticking around, if, if you're somebody that has a pretty good reputation, like he does, and then you are the top backup 
you play the good the good boy card all season and the team wins a bunch of games and is prominent is talked about has playoff spotlight he will make more money next offseason i do think that it's possible that if the niners have a really good season and are in the spotlight and he doesn't cause any rifts he will enter next season fully healthy and some team will come out there with a better offer than he would have gotten say a month ago hell mitch trubisky got a starting job exactly. from the Steelers. He didn't do anything with the bills. He didn't even play. And people are like, Hey, this Mitch Trubisky deserves another shot. So yeah, I, I think you're dead on accurate there. So it's not necessarily, I don't disagree that it's quite possible. He thinks he's going to get the starting starting gig back, but I do think that it's also possible that he, he knew that no team was going to be out there offering him a good contract. And so he would rather wait until he's fully healthy and hit it next off season when the Niners are likely to be a team that is in the headlines all off season. So that he'll, he'll get some notice there, even though he's the backup. And this is what I don't like about the situation. This is why I was so upset on Monday. And this is why I was freaking out on Twitter and on 95, seven, the game Wednesday morning. I think that in order to develop Trey Lance properly, he needs to play. He needs at least the entire season to go through the growing pains, especially Trey Lance, because he's so inexperienced. By keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, you have guaranteed that that is not going to happen. Guaranteed, because you don't keep Jimmy on the roster unless you're planning on using him. And so that's frustrating to me because they're not going to do right by Trey, I think. They're not going to give him the opportunity that he deserves, that every first-round quarterback deserves, which is a whole year at least to be the starter and learn and take your lumps. And they're not going to do that with Trey. And so I I don't think that's how you develop and treat a franchise quarterback. And that's why I'm so mad. Right. And so, some of the quarterbacks that have been in this situation have come out and talked about it. One of those is Phil Sims that said, you know, you can't do this, that I was that quarterback uh, or I was a quarterback in that situation. And yeah, some of the players are definitely going to want Jimmy there no matter what. They're going to want him to be the starter. There are veterans in that locker room that are going to want that. And then you also had Kurt Warner talking about his time with the New York Giants when he wasn't really an entrenched starter because he hadn't done well. The Giants weren't winning and they had just drafted or not drafted technically, but you know what I mean? They got Eli Manning through trade during draft day and they pulled Eli in the middle of a game and put Kurt in because Eli wasn't doing well. And Kurt Warner said that he immediately after the game went to the coach and said, you have to go into this post-game press conference and start off by reiterating that this is Eli's team and he will be the starter next week. And you need to say that in the locker room as well. Will Jimmy do that? That's my question. Is Kyle willing to do that? Is there a game where Trey Lance Let's say even he gets like banged up. He could finish the game, but he's not 100% and he's not doing extremely well with the injury. You know, it's, it is affecting him. So they pull him to get Jimmy in to try to get the win. Will Jimmy go to Kyle and say, go in that press conference and say it's Trey Lance's team? And is Kyle willing to do that? Because I'm not convinced of either one of those. I'm not, I don't know either way, I should say. I don't know that Kyle would go into a press conference after pulling Trey Lance and say, no, this is still his team. He's learning. 
Or if you'd go in there, well, we'll evaluate things all week and we'll make our decision later. I'd never name a starting quarterback. Here's yeah. the other thing. I don't even know necessarily if Trey's got to be injured for that scenario to take place now. Imagine if true. it's imagine if it's week three against Denver on Sunday night football, right? And and Russ comes out and there's no Jimmy Ward there and they just start bombing away. And you know what? They go up like 21 nothing. And it's the third quarter and the offense is just struggling. Kyle, you telling me he's not going to think about putting in Jimmy Garoppolo? And what if he does, right? Then you're in this muck, and this is exactly the situation that I wanted to avoid since Trey was drafted. Like the whole thing with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick that happened, like that's the exact scenario I want to avoid. You don't want to have Trey basically have to score a touchdown every drive in order to continue to play in the game and have to look over his shoulder every time he goes three and out. Like, mm. can Can you just imagine, like, Kyle better give Jimmy an order that once the game starts, you do not warm up. Don't go make any throws. Can you imagine, like, like say, you know, oh, it's, it's happening early in the game. Like, there's two punts, two three and outs to start the game, and they mm-hmm. cut to the sideline. There's Jimmy making passes to warm up his arm. Like, no. Jimmy, you stand there. I will let you know when it's time to warm up. You know, Jim, Jimmy could play shenanigans like that. Doesn't seem like the guy that, that would, would be hilarious. He just wanted to like, mess with can you imagine, Yeah, just mess with it. Like, goes out and warms up, or you know, make sure he's first one out of the locker room after halftime and starts warming up so he can get right. out there. Yeah. And there's or just things he could do. He doesn't even have to do that. Just put your helmet on on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, we'll see the t- like if he just uh, wanted I was to just be- listening to the signals. I don't know. Right. If they wanted to mess with people, they could do that. And I I do believe that like they get along that Jimmy and Trey like I don't think they yeah, I, I, I think, think they're fine like I don't I don't think Trey would resent Jimmy even if Jimmy walked up to him and said hey I want to be the starter like they get it everybody wants to be the starter you know so I think like personally they're fine um, I, I got one other thing that I'm curious if if they would step up in that scenario what if they try to run some gimmick plays where. You know, you move Trey Lance in motion and Jimmy's under center all of a sudden, you know, and you make a weird dual threat, you know, where you got two quarterbacks on the field. Would George Kittle and some other veterans go step in and say, hey, we don't like that. This is Trey Lance's team. We don't need Jimmy coming in and messing up his rhythm. Because that's what they did for Jimmy last year. Oh, you can't say that. 49er fans don't want to believe that. Yeah. Like, there, there is a scenario where... Kyle could try to run some gimmick plays where Jimmy goes on the field and that would just be completely ill-advised. But I mean, bringing Jimmy back, I thought was ill-advised. So, you know what you do, you do sort of like what the chiefs did against the Niners in the Super Bowl. You come in, uh, if it's like fourth and one or third and one, you bring in Jimmy, like he's going to do the QB sneak and you have Trey line up in the backfield behind him. And then right before the snap, you do that thing the Chiefs did where they like, what is it, the wing? Where they like mm-hmm. spin and he spins out of the way and then you direct snap it to Trey. That would be hilarious if they tried to do like stuff like that with Jimmy in there. That would actually, I think it would be kind of fun. I thought that would be kind of a cool thing. It would be thing. fun, but the problem is it's going to start the whole thing of, oh, look right. what they have to resort to to get the <laughs> offense moving. Um There's a couple of narratives I want to get to about Trey Lance that I that are frustrating to me. Because what I said this morning was, or yesterday morning on the radio was, the ironic thing to me is that if Trey Lance plays like Jimmy Garoppolo played last year, 
Trey's going to get benched for Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think is hilarious. Like, and I, I don't think that people remember, like they were not gangbusters out of the gate last year, six times in the first eight games, the Niners went into halftime with 10 points or less. Like that happened. And by the way, one of those times was against the Packers. And part of the reason they even had any points because Trey Lance ran it into the end zone on the last play before halftime. So like, you know, if that happens to Trey Lance this year, that exact same thing, people are going to be screaming for Jimmy Garoppolo because he's on the team. Even though Jimmy did the exact same thing last year, they went three and out in the first half of games last year, 22% of the time. That was 18th in the league. They struggled offensively last year, even with this, you know, the league's best backup, like everybody's saying with Jimmy Garoppolo in there, they struggled that way. And what I'm worried about is if Trey does that exact same thing, he's not going to get the chance to play through it. And that's not fair to me. Right. That That's the big question. How long of a leash does he really have? And Kyle needs to be aware of what he says in the media. He needs to be firm at all times that this is Trey Lance team and we're going to ride through the ups and downs. And, you know, we want to be the best team at the end of the season, you know, that type of thing. He can't come out and say, well, we're going to evaluate things because all that does is you just created a monster, a monster that's, it's already sitting there. It's already under the bed. You just invited it to come out. (laughs) You know, you invited a media storm all week long of who's practicing, who's number one, you know, Jimmy cannot get number one reps. If you give him any reps with the number ones, there's your big story of this of the week. Doesn't matter what else happened. That's the big story. Well, and that's the thing that people don't want to admit that this has anything to do with Trey Lance. And I think they're nuts. They're not remember Kyle was literally joking earlier this offseason about how he was so happy that he wasn't gonna have to answer questions about who his quarterback was. They went from that to re-signing Jimmy Garoppolo and making him instantly the number two quarterback when he has had no reps whatsoever with the team and didn't even have a playbook. If you don't think that has anything to do with Trey Lance, your head is in the sand. It has to. Your head is in the sand because of all the stuff you just said, Levin. Because they're not dumb. They recognize that they are opening themselves up to all of this. They No, Kyle Shanahan grew up in the NFL. They know they're opening themselves up to this. John Lynch was a Hall of Fame player in a locker room for years. He knows what they're opening themselves up to. They're doing it anyway. I heard you say that on the instant reacts to the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, thing. And it made me think of something. You know, yes, Kyle Shanahan grew up around the sport. You know, he grew up in the NFL. But he also grew up against... In the the biggest and most successful, you have two dominant quarterbacks, you know, and both of them want to start. There's animosity with the team, and guess what? They still won Super Bowls. So he might have a warped opinion that, yeah, you can totally have all that controversy. It doesn't affect the play on the field. We can still win Super Bowls. Never mind that this is the salary cap era where we can't have literally a completely loaded team, you know, like – he might have a warped opinion though of how big of a quarterback controversy can really affect teams. Well, they are banking on our culture and our locker room is going to be strong enough to deal with all of this stuff. That's what they're banking on. And, and they've done it before. Like they banked on their culture, helping them smooth things over with Debo Samuel and it worked. 
you, you, I mean, you have to admit it worked. He's back. He's happy. He signed his new contract. We haven't heard any peep out of Debo Samuel about not being happy. So in that case, it worked. I think it's different with a starting quarterback than it is dealing with a disgruntled wide receiver. But they're, they are confident. What they're telling you is, we don't think it's going to be an issue. I even asked Kyle this week in the conference call. I said, don't you think... Jimmy Garoppolo is a bigger threat to Trey Lance because of everything he's accomplished than unproven rookie Trey Lance was to Jimmy Garoppolo last year. He basically got all huffy and said, no, I mean, I think that's a little nuts, but I tried to ask him about it. I still can't believe that press conference wasn't made public. That it was just the conference call. It's a weak Mm -hmm. move by the Niners. I was pissed. I was looking everywhere for it. I was like, how is this? Every other interview has always been live. What's going on? Yeah, that was chicken shit. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, when I saw that, I was like, what is the written? And they could like, say, I didn't like, even know you got to an- ask a question. I heard you say in the instant reaction, you're going to try to get in and, and be able to ask a question. And KP actually said, yeah, that's, you're not going to get a question, which I guess you did. But that I literally just now learning that you actually got a question because oh, there's yeah. no freaking video of it for the first time in five years. There's no video of, of a 49ers press conference. Oh, I got a question in and then he tried to, he tried to, like, he asked me a question. I had to Mail, follow go up. save me. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's funny you bring that up. Mayoko's been drilling them about this. He had, yeah, he hit. He I, I posted a, a gif of him jumping the shark. Yeah, it's yeah, like. Where that phrase comes from. You know, it's actually that Batman video where he jumps a shark. Or not Batman. Uh, happy Days. Happy Days where Fonz jumps a shark. That's where the phrase comes from. It's like, boy, he went from playing happy. Which, you know, that just gave me a thought, and I, I'll tell that thought when we get to the next topic that we're getting to, because it ties into that. Mm, okay, before we do, and before we take a break, I just there's one other sort of narrative that has popped up that kind of drives me nuts. All of the stuff that people are worried about happening with Trey Lance, oh, he's going to miss open wide receivers. The offense is going to sputter. He's going to turn the ball over, right? He's not going to put the ball in a position where guys can get yards after catch. All of that stuff, which I think is fair criticism of him. Jimmy does all the same stuff. Jimmy misses open guys. Jimmy doesn't throw the ball accurately sometimes, which kills yards after catch. Jimmy turns the ball Every quarterback does. Mahomes misses throws. Right. Like, so that's well, everybody but Rogers, <laughs> except in the playoffs against the Niners. But if you're going to like hold that up as, as you know, things, why Trey can't be the starter, you can't rush to then replace him with a guy that does all the exact same stuff. So that is crazy to me. This is my little snarky response to that. You don't need yards after the catch when the ball's thrown 20 plus yards down the field. <laughs> that's true. That's a really good point. <laughs> That's a good point, right? Yeah, if you throw a 40-yard pass and get zero yards after catch, that's and you're not cool. dumping it off, and you already have the first down at the catch point, you don't necessarily need the yards after the catch. That's a really good point. Dan, that reminds me of – that's a great response. There was When I was buying my last car, I, I desperately needed a car because somebody rear-ended me and totaled my car, and I just – I had to get a car. And all they had was a red one, and I hate red cars. And I said to the guy, like, wrong I hate – I hate red. Can you give me an, another color? He goes, you're going to spend more time inside the car than outside the car. And I was like, damn, that's kind of true. All right. Give me the red one. <laughs> and I still have that frigging car. How, how are you a Niners fan and you hate red vehicles? Because My vehicle has to be red. 
No, I I like black cars. If I had my druthers, I would always have a black car. I got enough black in my life with my last name. I don't need my car to be. <laughs> God, okay, this is the perfect time to take a break. When we come talking back, about jumping the shark. <laughs> yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the latest roster cut with the 49ers. Trey Sermon. We hardly knew ye. We'll talk about that, plus something that John Lynch and Adam Peters are going to do later today that kind of surprised both of us, and then we quickly realized why it was happening. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast, Niners continue to make news. There's probably been eight jaw-dropping stories since we started this podcast, Levin, but we're going to proceed uh, nonetheless. Trey Sermon, late on Wednesday, Waived by the 49ers. They had to make a move because they added an offensive lineman in Blake Hance, and he was added to the actual 53-man roster, so they had to make a corresponding move. Trey Sermon, thanks for nothing. Gone. Third-round pick. How surprised are you? <laughs> uh, I would say mildly surprised, only because he made the initial 53-man roster. If this happened at the initial cutdown, I would have not been surprised at all. I was predicting that he was going to get cut. But it, it's just, <laughs> there were literally uh, one people yesterday were all over Twitter dunking on people who thought Trey Sermon <laughs> was going to get cut. And uh, there's a reason why I tweeted an Uno reverse uh, for all those people <laughs> dunking on those because now you're getting dunked on. But uh, I also posted this quote from Kyle Shanahan. This quote is from five days ago. He said, Trey's come a long, a long way here this year, meaning Trey Sermon, and he's someone we can count on. He said that five days ago about Trey Sermon. How are you counting on him when he when he's sitting back in Columbus, Ohio, or wherever he's going to go to? Look, technically, he's not wrong, right? You can count on him to tiptoe at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You can count on him to miss the hole. You could, right? Like, look, you can count on him. He's dependable in that way. There are literally people all up in arms talking about, they said they were going to keep Jimmy. You should take Kyle Shanahan at his word. No, this is why you don't take Kyle Shanahan at his word. He is truthful when it's convenient for himself. He is dishonest when it's something he doesn't want to be honest about. Like every coach in the NFL. Like, if it's something he doesn't want you to know, well, yeah, I don't like that player. He's likely to get cut or whatever it is. He's not going to tell you, yeah, I don't like that player. You know, he's, always, on my, he's on my team right now, but I don't like him. He's going to get cut here in a week. As we talk about often, two things can be true at the same time. It is true that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are honest about some stuff, more honest than a lot of coaches and general managers. But that doesn't mean they're honest about everything. It doesn't mean they're honest all the time. And it's up to us as people who follow the team and cover the team for you to try and use our expertise and what we know and maybe some sources to figure out when they're lying and when they're telling the truth. That's to me. I look at that as part of my job. But you cannot say they always tell the truth and you cannot say they never lie. Anytime there's an injury in a game. They shouldn't even ask Kyle Shanahan about injury. <laughs> no. He's not going to be truthful. Wait until the Wednesday press conference because it's going to change. Kyle's going to say, nah, it's just a stinger. And then on Wednesday, yeah, we put him on IR today. Like, you never know. He, he's never truthful after the game. We've seen that for years. Um, Raheem Mostert's going to be fine next day. Out for the season. Yeah. <laughs> like, that actually took place. Um 
I've seen two different reactions to the sermon news. One is, hey, look, the 49ers admitted their mistake and they didn't double down, right? They they didn't throw good money after bad, so to speak, and they moved on. That's true. The other reaction is, why the hell do they continue to use third round picks on running backs and, and invest draft capital in running backs when they- That's also true. The undrafted guys that seem to be better. I mean, Jordan Mason's on the team. Uh, can we just say, unless it's a fifth, sixth, seventh, or undrafted running back, don't do it. If you're sitting there in the third round, you go, can't believe this guy's here, and he has RB listed next to his position, just erase the name. <laughs> I don't care how high you are on that guy. There's no need. Just don't do it. They gave up two fourth-round picks, too, to trade up to, to draft Trey Sermon. So that's a lot of draft capital that they invested. I mean... It's it's a weird pick, and and nobody hits on all their picks. So I want to say that. I up mean, front. that was a pick that was heavily criticized at the time. I do think, and I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago. I think Trey Sermon will end up having an NFL career. He just is not a fit for this system, and that's why the pick was criticized when it was made. They literally gra- drafted a square peg and tried to put him in a circle. Doesn't work. They literally said, Bobby Turner said last year they had to change his running style, which is like, you don't, you don't draft running backs and then have to change their style. These are plug and play. It's the one, like maybe the easiest plug and play position in the NFL. This is what I don't understand though, Levin. The Niners have been awesome at late round draft picks, probably the best team in the league, like really, really good. We're talking fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, George Kittle, DJ Jones was a sixth round pick. Spencer Burford's a fourth round pick this year. Mitch Wisnowski was a fourth oh, round. Shut up. <laughs> but my point is like, they're good at the harder picks. Yeah. It's surprising to me that they have struggled with these picks. Like this should be the easier part of the job. If you can identify somebody that's going to be good in the fifth, sixth round, hell Samuel Womack looks good. You Why know, can't you do it in the third round? Cause they have a philosophy change. After the first round, what do they do in the late rounds? What do we know? Cause they have literally stated it time and time again in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, they draft because they think a guy's a good fit for their system. What do they do in the first, second and third rounds? Well, we got a really talented player. I don't know. Do they drink? Like just, but you know what I'm saying? Like they draft guys late because they think they can fit the system really, really well. So even though their talent level may not be that great and they may not do well in other systems in their system they can succeed but in the early rounds they go well this guy's really good we'll 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 get him to fit our system could be i have another theory and i'm uh, this is not like my jimmy garoppolo theory where like i'm i think that's what happened with jimmy garoppolo this is just me trying to connect some dots so if you want to come at me I, that's totally fine you know that kyle shanahan is really invested in the process but He also has to coach the team during the year. I wonder if the first like three rounds are the rounds where Kyle has really, you know, dove into the film and studied it and gone and scouted as many players as he could. But because he's really busy, he can only get through so many players. And so maybe Kyle has more influence in the early rounds. And then by the time it gets to rounds four, five, and six, he says, you know what? I'm going to lean on Adam Peters. I'm going to lean on the rest of my scouting department because I just did not have time to scout some of these guys. So I'll kind of get out of the way and let them do their thing. That may not be what's happening at all. I totally admit that. I'm just trying to 
maybe come up with why they seem to do better in the second half of the draft than the first. So let me throw a theory at you. I think it's less likely than your theory. I don't disagree that your theory has a decent chance of being true, but it could literally be the, the reverse of that. In the early rounds, he trusts them because there's a lot known about those players in the early rounds. And he spends his time, mm. other than this Trey Lance decision when it was the quarterback, he spends his time trying to find guys that will fit his system to a T that won't be highly drafted. They'll be available and they can go and go get them in, in a round. You know what I mean? He might spend his time going, okay, where's the guy? You know, I've heard about this. I got friends out there coaching in college football. They told me about this player that would be a perfect fit for our scheme. I'm going to look at him. Okay. Yeah. This guy's a perfect fit. Let's go out there and get him in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Whenever we know we can get him and it's no longer a risk that some other team might take him. You know what I mean? You might take him in the fourth round because you think somebody might take him at the top of the fifth or whatever that may be. It, it could be the reverse. I think yours is more likely, but I mean, like you said, we're, we're just coming up with theories of what it could be. Who knows who has what say? You know, how much does Adam Peters get to say? How much does John Lynch get to say? Who Who's the final decision maker there? How much do they lean on their scouts in the early rounds rather than their own evaluations? And I'm totally willing to admit that you may be 100% right. Like, I am I could go either way on that. I'd love to hear from you if you want to weigh in on one side or the other or you think it's something different with the Niners draft picks. Let us know in your rating or review. You know what I would like? For the guys in that franchise to look at what it is and go, okay, <laughs> we'll stop doing that in rounds one, two, right. and three. Or we'll start doing what we do in the later rounds in one, two, and three. If it's the later rounds, they just go based on their scouts. Like, hey, we trust you. You know, we didn't get to look at all these guys. We're, we're going to go off what your evaluations. Okay, then trust them in the early rounds because whoever's making the decisions in the later rounds is the guy that should be running the show. Yeah, you're killing it. I mean, keep it up. <laughs> it's been like, do you realize how valuable Samuel Womack can be if he's as good as we think he is to have a, a corner drafted in the fifth round? You're not going to pay him any money for years. I mean, do you know how valuable it could be? Getting Purdy in the seventh round? I mean, Brady was a sixth-round pick. <laughs> well, uh, oh, I've heard that thrown around, though, that part of the reason he made the roster over Sudfeld is that they control Brock it, Purdy it makes for a lot of sense. more yeah. years, and he's a hell of a lot cheaper just because... If, if they thought they that it was very close, or even that they thought there's a good chance Purdy will improve and be better than Sudfield, but right now Sudfield is better, your, your third quarterback can be a, a project right if you think there's a good chance they end up better than the guy you would have kept but i i think the four years versus one year is probably the biggest part of it because like i said your third string quarterback you're not developing sudfield so what are you doing there on one year deal right like, and why why you have them there but th there is one other theory which you know i'll i'll, I'll say it. it it could literally be why What's the third quarterback do a lot of times? Scout team. What can Purdy do? But that's what Trey was doing last year, and he was the backup. Right. Uh, that's because Kyle wouldn't give him any first team reps. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you're right. What, he's more mobile, so third, he can simulate Right. That. He can simulate a mobile quarterback as the scout team quarterback. So that maybe that's why he's got the gig, because there are some mobile quarterbacks on the roster or on the schedule. Yeah. 
And you know what? I agree with that if that's the case. And I actually like, like, I was sort of happy that they did keep him over Sudfeld because he does sort of like make stuff happen back there. He, he's got a little like improvisational skill, which let's be right. honest, if you're down to your third string guy, like you might as well have that because you're already screwed if that gets down to it anyway. So, okay. Last thing before we go, and we kind of touched on it here talking about the draft. John Lynch and Adam Peters are going to have a press conference at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time today. They may have already had it by the time you listen to this podcast. When I first saw that news, I was like, Adam Peters doesn't really talk to the media that much at all. Like, is it, are we going to see John Lynch get a promotion and Adam Peters is going to be the GM? Like, are the Niners going to make even more news this week? But you did the calm, rational thing and actually used your brain and you found out a much more likely reason why they're going to talk today. Right. I mean, my first reaction, I actually saw your tweet from our uh, podcast page is where I learned of it. At NN uh, Podcast. Right. Uh, good job. Uh, and my knee-jerk reaction was, whoa. And I actually tweeted a gif doing that exact thing. And then... About, I don't know, a minute later, I was like, wait, I remember hearing something about assistant GMs having, having to do press conferences. So I Googled it and pulled up the rule. And there is indeed a change this year. Uh, as they write it, your uh, secondary football executives, or as they put it, somebody with the title assistant general manager or is next in line to be the primary football executive supervising the player personnel department they must do at least two media press conferences a year one of which is said must be between the scouting combine and the nfl draft and the second time must be either during training camp or following the final roster reductions to 53 players well what just happened we reduced to 53 players. So it seems likely that they're just meeting this obligation that is literally so brand new that uh, some very prominent media members aren't aware of the role because they reacted the way you reacted. Um, and like I said, it, it was just something I, I remembered hearing something about it months ago. And I wasn't sure if it was actually true. So I Googled it. I was like, I remember hearing something about assistant GMs having to talk. And so I, I Googled it and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there actually is a role. I wasn't hundred percent on it, but yeah, like it, it's possible. It's massive news. And if you're listening to this after the press conference, the last like two minutes, you're going, well, this is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I would say, much, much more likely that they're meeting an obligation that a lot of people are just unaware of at this point because it hasn't happened yet. This is the first time they're going to be required. What if Amazon was had, did that one show with Kirk uh, Herbstreit and they were like, forget it, man. He sucks. We got to get John Lynch in here. <laughs> or, yeah. What if Somebody threw a whole bunch more money at John Lynch for something in the media. There has to be a number where he would leave, right? I mean, it's such an easier workload. There has to be a number where John Lynch would be like, I can't not take this. If they're going to pay me $20 million a year, it, 30 From what he said, uh, no, not necessarily. Depends on his mentality. For me, I'm already making millions of dollars a year. <laughs> I made millions over my career. Yes, making $30 million is a lot more than what he makes now, but it's not like he ever has to worry about, well, can I afford to buy that? Unless he's wow. looking at some jet or yacht. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have to worry about money. So if his passion is winning as a former player, he's addicted to the co competing and competition of it. Then no, it, there is no number that's big enough.
Have you ever flown on a private jet? Once you do that, you can't go back to regular flights. Maybe he, he has a, a private team jet. jet. He goes where he wants on the oh, team that's jet. True. That's true. All right. Way to go. What if they did the whole press conference and then right at the end, John Lynch, Lynch was like, oh, by the way, I'm going back to broadcasting Adam Peters' new GMC. Oh, up. by the way, this is my last week. <laughs> right. And this is my two weeks notice. Gotta go. <laughs> at this point with this team, I wouldn't put it past them. Like, who knows? No, no, no. With this team, what they would do is they would have the entire press conference. And then, like, at 1 a.m., they would announce, oh, by the way, John Lynch is leaving the team. <laughs> would make no mention of it in the press conference. Oh, <laughs> so everything man. gets written up. And then in the middle of the night, they announce, oh, yeah, by the way. Here's how you know that this team is just a constant stream of incredible stories. We just had our second biggest month ever at Niners Nation. And of course, that is thanks to you who support us. And we are grateful for that. But that doesn't just happen because we're good. And I think, by the way, we are that good. But the stories that have come out about this team, we had the second biggest month in Niners Nation history. And they haven't played a single snap this year, 11. I mean, it's certainly due to some of us. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I couldn't resist. All right, that's going to do it for Some this edition. Some of us carry of more weight than others. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> rate, review, and follow. Like I said, if you leave a review, I promise we will read it, or one of our hosts will read it. Jason Aponte will read it. We do yeah, uh, read. Claps to Jason Aponte. I've been listening to the podcast this week, and I was like, wow, somebody else read a, a review. It's not just Rob reading the reviews. I mean, I texted it to him. Hey, he read it. <laughs> I I read all the reviews. I read the comments. I really do. Sometimes it probably doesn't work out too well for me, but nonetheless, enjoy your Thursday, everybody. Next week on the show, we have game preview. We're at that point. We're going to preview the game. We're going to run through the schedule, make our record predictions, player predictions. It's going to be a ton of fun. All the stuff that we have been talking about is actually going to play out on the field. And I speak for all of us when I say it's about damn time. Have a good Thursday. Levin, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week.